0: Welcome to Commission. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman.
1: And I'm Jed Robine. In each episode, we will talk about the gospel of the kingdom, declaring God's heart for the restoration of Israel and all the nations.
0: So join us as we together explore the mysteries of the one new man. Welcome back to the Commission podcast. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman. With me is my good friend, Jed Robine from Pilgrim Way Ministries, and we are going to continue today our discussion about the divisions that have plagued our church in America and even around the world, why we see divisions in the body of Christ, why we see divisions in the church, what we call the entomology of division and why there is strife that has entered into the church. And of course, we know that there's a spiritual aspect uh, to what we're going to be talking about today, but there's also a natural aspect as well. So we really want to kind of hit on on both of these things. It's interesting, in our last conversation, we were talking about the early church and how you brought up the example of Peter. And Peter was, um, he was kind of setting a double standard between the Gentiles and the Jews and we don't really know peter's heart we don't really have an insight there's no side commentary about what why peter was acting the way that he was acting so we're going to have to make some assumptions about peter's behavior on one side we could probably argue that there was an element of pride that as a jewish person that he somehow viewed himself in a in a different position maybe a higher or elevated position than these Gentiles that had now just recently come into the kingdom. I mean, after all, the Jewish people had spent thousands of years with the Lord and the laws of Moses and the covenants that were given to us and all of the, the years of tradition and the temple that we had built. Uh, there was a lot to stand on. I mean, there were a lot of accomplishments that the, that the nation of Israel, of course, a lot of failures as well, but a lot of accomplishments that the nation of Israel did for the Lord to build a kingdom called the kingdom of Israel, which effectively was really a picture of, uh, you know, a foretelling or foreshadowing of the picture of of God that would come to invade the whole earth. So that's one possibility. The other is maybe it was just the fear of man. Hmm. And, you know, Jesus talked about this quite a bit, you know, that if you are looking for praise and accolades from your fellow men, because there's this sense of value and acceptance within your own little close-knit community— then you're really looking at the, you know, praise of men and, and you're really missing the praise of God. And so maybe that's what was creeping in. And maybe there was fear, fear of rejection, fear that if he was identified with these supposed Gentiles, who probably by many Jews were still viewed as unclean, that he would somehow be rejected, maybe even cast apart or cast away from from the Jewish people. They would say, You're not even allowed to to be with us. So again, we don't know all of the reasons why Peter acted the way that we did. But I think we can take those examples and we can probably bring them forth hundreds of, and hundreds of years. And we can see that how those same patterns have uh, affected the church in, in America and how Christians, well-intending, you know, good, well-intending people, good people could act a certain way or believe certain things and treat others certain ways because they saw skin color as somehow creating this class system that this black person is not even in the same class as we're in. They're a lesser person. And even to the point where scientific books were being written in America with pseudoscience, fake science, somehow trying to prove that Black people, for example, were not even of the same uh, genome as white people. They were actually trying to prove that they were of a separate species, because if they were of a separate species, then they're not equal with, with whites. Yeah. And they did this classification in in America, of uh, even within a category of whites, with with the Nordics being at the top of the list, and then, of course, you know your Mediterranean, some in the middle, and your Asiatics down below that, and blacks were always at the bottom. And they, again, try to use science as a means to justify and create a class system in this nation. And many in the church bought into this, uh, where they somehow bought into this false narrative that instead of seeing one creation, that we all came from Adam and Eve, that we all came from the descendants of Noah, And that the whole earth was repopulated from those, you know, three families. That they saw how somehow we had these separate creations that God had set up, and there were different tiers and classes of people. So, Mm. was it out of fear? Was it out of pride? And and maybe the answer at this point really doesn't matter. Maybe it's all of the above. But the but the truth is, it's wrong. It's sin. Pride is sin. Fear is not of the Lord. And if it's you know fear of man and the enemy is giving us fear, it's wrong. And if it's pride, we we know that that is absolute sin. And it's actually equivalent to idolatry, even, in God's eyes. So, Jed, I'm going to turn it to you. I've kind of opened up with some thoughts of reflection, getting into this entomology piece that we've started talking about. I'm going to let you kind of share your thoughts on it.
1: Thanks, Eric. It's a a vast topic. It Uh, is. When we think about human division human enmity, discord, strife. And I want to say up front, we said this last episode too, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. We wrestle against principalities and powers. And we know that we have an enemy. <laughs> and, you know, Satan is always trying to foment discord, strife, right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's right. So in the beginning, to, I think to understand enmity, God created the heavens and the earth, and God created humanity. Male and female, he created them. And in our maleness and in our femaleness, we actually, both genders bring glory to God. Mm-hmm. And his image is, it resides in us. And this is before any, anyone fell. That's right. When we fall in the book of Genesis, there's immediately enmity between male and female mm. that enters in as part of the package of sin. Guess what? We had just inherited, you know, male and female uh, relational discord. Mm-hmm. Now, that if you're married, you know, you know what we mean when we you have to work for unity in your covenantal marriage. The discord between the genders is real is real and felt. Trying to understand how a woman thinks or how a man thinks, if you're a female. And the ways in which we're wired, I think we can all agree, we're we're wired differently. Mm -hmm. And we have to work towards understanding the other. That's right. Shortly after the enmity that existed between male and female entered the picture because of our sin, the next sin is Cain murdering Abel out of jealousy. Mm -hmm. Abel's offering was received. Cain's, he perceived it wasn't. That's right. And God says to Cain, you have to master the sin that's crouching at your door. If you don't master it, it will have you, mm, right? That's right? So the onus and responsibility to bridle your spirit is put from God. God puts it on us as his children to control ourselves. Cain failed to to subdue the jealousy in his heart. And mm. I believe Satan was there breathing on that jealous ember, turned it into a raging wildfire. Mm. And Cain took matters into his own hands and killed Abel. Mm. And so from that route, you have all sorts of enmity and ethnic division that's erupted. And the discord and the strife is pronounced. And the further we get from the garden of Eden, the more divided we've become. That's right. The only hope to be unified is the gospel of the kingdom. And it is, coming into a new reality, you know, and and we're created individually. The old is gone. The new has come. You're a new creation in Christ and you are relating to him and relating to yourself from a different perspective. Mm. And now God is saying, okay, generic is as you have come into my love for you and you've accepted my forgiveness for your sins, as you have dealt with your past and I've washed away your shame as I have loved you now, I want you to love one another. Mm-hmm. And that's where things get challenging for us because the parable that comes to my mind as you and I are talking about this is the man who's been forgiven $20 million by the king turns around and strangles his, his servant who owes him 20. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus or the king comes and actually throws that man back into prison and says, look, okay, I was merciful to you. The least you could have done was shown mercy to another, but you failed to follow my example. Hmm. now I'm going to hold you accountable. You're going to be put in prison. So the, the penalty for failing to learn the lesson of God loves us and has forgiven us much. Now we must forgive one another of, of little. Hmm. Really, I believe the message is God wants us to keep our sin before our own eyes and realizing that we were enemies. We've been brought close. Let's yeah. never forget where we come from. Let's never forget the price that he paid for our sin, mm. and in keeping that in light of our viewpoints, we relate to one another with grace and forgiveness.
0: Yeah.
1: And He said, "It as you forgive one another, I'll forgive your sins." Right. If you don't forgive, Jesus won't forgive you. As you measure out, it's measured back to you. And so we're talking about high stakes, right? That God has for us as His family, as His children, to move into this idea of the new creation mm-hmm. to actively combat the enmity that exists and resides in our own flesh to put that to death and to live in, to live together in a new way. That's the gospel. And that's as simple as it is. And that is as difficult as it is because it makes no provision for our flesh. Take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. We have to die to the way that we want it. And we have to die to our pride. We've got to die to our ego. We've got to die to our selfish individualism. And this is the narrow way. Mm-hmm. And yet this is what we must, the message we must bring forth in this hour is a true message centered on the, the the scriptures that that God has given us.
0: Yeah, I like what you're saying because, and we talked about this in the last episode There's obviously a need for repentance. And you talked about turning to God first and saying, Lord, against you only have have I sinned. Right. And then, of course, you know, the the follow through, which the Lord says, okay, now that you understand my heart and how you've grieved me by sinning against me, I want you to go now repair that damaged relationship with your brother who you damaged through your actions and your sin. I want you to even fix that before you come back to me with your offering. And so it takes both. I mean, it takes God's heart revealing to us how we've grieved him and also how he wants us to go out and he wants us to fix the damage somehow. And that's where, that's where things get complicated, because now we're in an area of not repentance, but forgiveness. And the story that you were just talking about of the man, the, the wicked servant, as the Lord said you, I was willing to forgive your debt. But you were not willing to forgive your servant's debt, and it was a a lot less debt. And that spirit of unforgiveness, what the Lord actually said is, He said, Take this man away and give him over to the tormentors. And I believe that the messenger is the Lord saying, Take him away to be tormented until he repents. Mm. And so, if we look at what's happening in our churches, if we look at what's happening, sometimes even in our own families, and especially if we see and look at what's happening in our nation, is the Lord sending us a message that because of our, first, our unwillingness to repent, which is pride, coupled with our unwillingness to forgive, which is pride, that God is saying, okay, fine, I'm turning you all over to be tormented Mm -hmm. until you get it, and maybe then you humble yourselves and come to me in repentance. And forgiveness towards my fellow servant here who is in Christ, you know, maybe then I'll begin to come and bring in my healing and my reconciliation into your churches, into your families, and into your nation.
1: That that pattern that you're echoing there, I think, exists throughout the scripture. That's right. The pattern of disobedience leading to sin, mm-hmm. sin leading to pain, right, and pain leading to people crying out to God That's for right. deliverance. That's right. And that's really what you're saying is, you know, God in his sovereign wisdom says, I'm going to let the, the tormentors, mm-hmm. the tormenting spirits right. uh, have their way with you for a while until you're in some pain because of your unforgiveness and pride. Yes. That you begin to seek a better way out of mm-hmm. that swamp.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: And I think you're right. I think we are having a moment here, a national moment. There's other other things are happening in the globe as well. Mm -hmm. It's really a global moment. Global
0: movement. That's right.
1: Covid has shut everything down. That's right. (laughs) And we're all, I think, thinking and reflecting, or we should be, on life and death, uh, truth, and our relationship to God. Yeah. And so we're 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 needing to connect to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, what are you saying through all this? We know what the media is trying to say. We know that there's principalities and powers that are Mm -hmm. trying to communicate to us every which way, but the still small voice. The quiet voice of God, you know, after the hurricane comes through, (laughs) after the fire, after the earthquake, he's got a wise, still voice for those that have ears to hear. And I think that's what we're seeking here is, okay. we have a moment for us in America. Our house is on fire. That's right. We have in a moment right now and we got to deal with the house of God first. Right. And so primarily we need to examine our own hearts personally, mm-hmm. we've got to examine it within our congregations, we've got to examine right. it within our people groups, and we need to be able to come to a table and start to really listen and honor the stories uh, and the suffering of other people. and that's really what I think you and I are wanting to do with Commission. You know this yes. got launched out of Jerusalem, an encounter that you and I had where we saw reconciliation and repentance occurring in Jerusalem. Between Arab Christians and Jewish believers and international believers that had gathered to worship the Messiah in mm-hmm. the city of the great king. That is the family of God coming together right. and mending hearts. It wasn't a teaching conference. No. Not a worship conference. Not a bunch of platform speakers. Nope. Really tears. Tears were needed. That's right. And and necks were needed to be embraced. That's right. And brothers and sisters needed to honor one another in humility. And I think that is what the Spirit is saying to the world right now is he wants his family to come and have a family moment and love one another. But really come in and, and begin to mend relationship and listen and honor the stories You know, we can, in America, we can go to the conference about love. We can write the books about love (laughs) and never actually love anybody, but think that we have because we've thought about it a lot. Yes. And so it's, we need to actually put our faith into action. And one of the things that we're talking about, you and I, with the Commission podcast is how can we bring some of our brothers that we're in relationship with, bring them onto the show. That's right. Hear their story, value, honor, respect them as our brother. And start to process their pain. Not that they can speak for the entire black community, but they can certainly speak for Mm -hmm. what they've experienced and their perspective within the black community. That's right. And we want to give that voice some wings and allow it to be heard, because these experiences matter to God. Mm -hmm. Suffering matters to God, and and so these are some things that I know are deeply in your heart. They're in my heart, and it's something that we want to steward here on the Commission Podcast.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree with what you were saying. And and I feel like when it comes to COVID nineteen and there's a you know, sort of a lot of theories about, you know, you know, how it came about or where it came about from. But throughout the entirety of what has been happening with COVID nineteen, I've been asking this same question over and over again, asking the Lord, Lord, what are you communicating through what is happening in the earth right now? And there are, there are a lot of things that he's been answering that question to me about. One of them is he's showing the world that the world is is desperately in need of a doctor. And that doctor is Jesus. Yeah. And the, he's looking to see if the nations will turn to Jesus to be healed. So just a very simple message. The world is sick, has a virus, he's a doctor. Now, the world's trying to fix it like we always do. Remember The great sin was always about becoming our own gods and taking matters into our own hands, but God is always saying, no, you need to depend on me. Mm. I created you. So the world's trying to come up with a vaccine, but the Lord is still speaking, saying the world needs a doctor, and that doctor is Jesus. I also think that COVID-19 was an opportunity for the church to pause. And what I mean by that is The church, and I'm speaking in a general sense, myself included in that, has been, we've been busy, I mean really busy, programming ourselves and programming week after week after week of activities. If the house is on fire, the house has been on fire, the church has been divided, and the church hasn't been motivated to do anything, to change its behaviors, then maybe God has allowed the tormentors to come forth to so holy moments sort of the world shuts down. churches have to deprogram a lot of things. and now the tormentors have come in to stir things up to send a message to the church, which is you know what? your house is on fire, your house is divided. You're not showing love to each other and uh, I want to come in. I need Jesus needs to come in and fix this. I want you to invite me to come in and fix fix your houses, your churches. But there has to be the willingness for us to humble ourselves and come out and say, Jesus, we need you to come Mm -hmm. in and fix our
1: churches. We need you. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to maybe in the last segment here of our episode today, I want to get your reaction to a couple of quotes. Because one of the things we want to frame up is this gets political really quickly in America.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And. Should Christians engage in social change, social justice? What's our role as believers? Um, some in the church would contend, don't. This is not politics. Stay out of it. That's not the church's domain. Right. I want to read a couple of quotes and hear your thoughts on this, Eric. This is from one of, these are two heroes of mine. One is William Wilberforce, who I believe God used it you know, in his position in government to overturn he did. oppression and slavery in the United Kingdom. And he says, a private faith that does not act in the face of oppression is no faith at all. And here's another good quote from another hero of mine, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he says, we are not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. And when you read chapters like Isaiah 58, where God talks Mm -hmm. about loosing the shackles of injustice and paying fair wages for people's work, you know, God cares about these painful realities in people's life. He cares about the poor. Yes, he does. Isaiah 61, right? Yes. You know, he comes to set prisoners free, those that are in darkness, to break the chains, right? That's right. Um, The Sermon on the Mount. These are all... Uh, justice related issues that God wants us to walk in as his believers. And that's why when I say, you know, we're called to run towards the crisis, not away from it. That's right. You know, we're called to have an opinion about the suffering of people around us. We're called to speak out as we're before rightly said, in my opinion, if you don't take action here in the face of oppression, your faith is is rendered useless. God gave us our faith for a moment just like this. And I I want to empower our listeners, wherever they're listening from, to seek the Lord on how do they engage in their community in a Mm -hmm. way that brings the kingdom of God to bear and to help, as Bonhoeffer so eloquently put it, (laughs) drive a spoke into the wheel of injustice. What do you think, Eric?
0: That is another, almost probably another whole podcast episode. And so I'll try to be very succinct with my uh, response here. First of all it's very clear to me from from the scriptures that we were we are called not just to preach the word the gospel in word and in spirit but that we are to demonstrate the gospel through how we show love towards other people and the and there are so many stories of this i I could pick many but i'm going to pick one and that's the story of the good samaritan excellent the story of the good samaritan is a perfect perfect example of how the the pious ones, the Levite and the priest, would they walked by and, of course, they were commanded, you know, don't go near a person that's dead. So they probably thought he was dead. Right. And they just kind of walked away, you know. But the, but the Samaritan, who is not even considered to be a full-fledged citizen of Israel, they were half Jews, as you know, uh, they had the, the compassion, they had the mercy and not only that, they actually paid the wages at the end, yes, to to make sure that the guy could stay there till he he had enough time to heal up. So is that just did, in fact, there's no preaching going on in that story at all. It, he was unconscious, and so there's no let's tell him about Jesus and you know, tell him about the gospel and get him saved, and then maybe we'll just take him off to die. The whole story is about actually picking up a person mm-hmm. that is wounded. And nursing them back to physical health. Yes. I, I think if we ignore the, the the physical nature of Christ and the physical healings and miracles that he did, you know, if Christ just wanted to preach a gospel of spirit, then why did he demonstrate all of these miracles of healing and raising Lazarus from the grave? I mean, there was no need to demonstrate anything. But I, I don't think that's God's heart. I, I know that's not God's heart. God's heart has always been to take care of those that are oppressed, the widows, the orphans, and he has some pretty strong judgments that he speaks against those that ignore the perils of those within our own society that are suffering. Mm. And so that's another whole sermon, so I'm not going to I'm not going to go there, but I also want to talk about this aspect of our society as a nation. God expects all nations to establish Court systems and justice and legal systems—it's—it's it's packaged in what we call the the Noahide laws, the laws that gave those seven laws that were that God gave to Noah. To, that applies to all humanity. There's some basic premises, you know: don't steal, don't murder, have a court system where God's justice can be rendered in that court system, and America is no different in that regard. But actually, in addition to the Noahide laws, we brought in the. The Ten Commandments, we got in the, the biblical standards of the Bible and built those into the very foundation of this nation, the very fabric of our court and legal system, is built upon God's uh, standard of justice and righteousness. And so if we have unjust legal systems, if we have un- unjust or unrighteous political systems and governmental systems and police systems... We have as a nation, not just the church, but the church should obviously know better. As a nation, we have a, an obligation to God to make sure that our systems, courts, our legal systems, our policing systems, all of these systems are just and they are righteous according to God's universal standards that he established for all humanity, the rule of law, so to speak, the rule of biblical law I as it
1: exists. what you're saying is so key. We have to love what God loves and hate what he hates. That's right. He hates corruption. He does. He hates bribes. He hates the perversion of justice. That's right. He hates the partial application of his word. Yes. You know, he chastises the Levites in Malachi chapter three for only preaching certain aspects of the word. That's right. And so, you know, partiality uh, and and poor application of his truth grieves him. It does. And so to your point, you know, we have these systems that exist that, of course, they're all broken and fallible. Reformation is trying to bring something back to be its fullest, mm-hmm. truest expression of itself. We drift, mission drift. Right. We drift away from that which was the, found, the founding principles. And then we have to return back to what did God say and, and recenter whatever that is that we're trying to recenter mm-hmm. back on its truest foundation. Yeah. So as we look at things in America like you say the justice system is it providing justice for all we want to contend any american should that's any right. believer should we should contend that our systems would be fair and just mm-hmm. and righteous that's right in the ways in which they apply the laws of the land yeah um and so yes i completely agree with you we are a prophetic mirror as god's people we hold mm-hmm. up a mirror to our society And we declare God's truth to the world and say, there is a more excellent way. Walk, therefore, in it. Be transformed. And we can also, I think, be agents of change. You know, God set prophets before kings, before Mm -hmm. judges, before leaders to tell the truth. Amen. And they may have died for it, (laughs) but they gave that witness because they loved God. And he's the one that gave them favor and set them before kings and May it be that, that the church in America and other, and other nations gets the favor of the Lord to be able to represent his viewpoints, his word, and his ways to men and women that are in great seats of power mm-hmm. that can exact influence and steer nations towards righteousness. That's right. You know, God has already chosen who his anointed one is, and he set him on his anointed hill in Zion. And, and so our perspective is what Psalm 2 says, kiss the sun. Kiss the Mm -hmm. son of God, lest he be angry. He's a righteous judge. And so we are wanting to steer our systems towards his righteousness. Being a catalytic voice in a very noisy age is a challenging place to be. And yet I believe it's a challenge that God is inviting us to step into as his people. Amen.
0: So with that, uh, we're gonna go ahead and land this episode of Commission. And stay tuned, we invite you to come back. Make sure you actually sign up and subscribe to our podcast channels. And so that way you always get notices of when our next podcast episodes come out. But join us next time because we're gonna begin interviewing our brothers in Christ. Uh, We're gonna have some great conversations. We want you to hear their stories. And get to know them better but this is just the beginning of a journey for all of us as the lord really has taken us into this time period that we are here in the earth and in this nation to address these divisions that exist in the church and to see god bring about the healing and reconciliation that he wants both for the church and for this nation so we'll see you next time blessings to all of you Enjoy this podcast from permission. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our ministry websites.
1: We pray the Lord richly blesses you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.